Welcome to the Living Stones podcast. These are a recording of our Sunday morning meetings. We pray that these will be a blessing to you. So please, enjoy listening. If you want to know more, please contact us at office at livingstoneschurch.co.uk. Well, good morning, uh, Living Stones. We might be small in number today, but I'm sure we're going to be big in heart. Um, for those who don't know me, my name's Rob. I'm part of the leadership team here. And uh, today we to have a time of sung worship led by Ellie, who's over the back today, and I couldn't see where she was. Uh, Justin's going to bring us our family time, and then we've got Freddie Brooks, our guest speaker, who's going to bring us through the uh, second half of Hebrews 12, I hope. That's not a surprise. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll get it started, and we'll see how we go. Um, I just want to say a huge congratulations to all of our children, all of our teenagers, uh, all of our teaching assistants, all of our teachers, uh, from completing another year of school. Uh, whatever your circumstances, whatever you do, well done. I know it's not uh, always the easiest time, but now you're on holidays and it's a time for rest. Isn't that good? I was reading uh, Mark 6. Uh, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they'd done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. I think in some versions, possibly Sean's New King James, it says a desolate place. And I hope wherever people go isn't going to be too desolate. But uh, I hope that you all do get rest. Um, yeah, it's been a, been a long year, so uh, or a long school year anyway. So please do uh, take that time. Uh, I'm going to pray and then I'll ask Ellie to lead us through our worship. Heavenly Father, thank you for rest. Thank you, Lord, that we're not um, on the go 24 hours a day, or at least most of us aren't. Um, thank you, Lord, that we do get that time to power down. Thank you, Lord, for Sabbath rest, which we can enjoy today. You created the world in six days, and then you declared the seventh was a day to stop, to take stock, and to build for the coming week. Lord, I pray that we'll remember this today, and we'll remember this at this time. Lord, thank you you've brought us together to this this little community centre in this little town, but Lord, we know that from from these small things, great things can come. So, Father, would we be uh, listening to what you're saying to us today, how you're prompting us, Lord, with the words that are going to come um, from the front and from the and from the pew, from the pews, be spirit-filled words. Would they inspire us? Would they challenge us? Would they comfort us? In Jesus' holy name, Amen. Ellie, over to you, please. No, that'll be fine. So I was thinking about how last week um, Dad spoke on uh, the the fact that um, yeah God God is our Father and he and and he has revealed himself to us as a Father and what that actually means um, uh, to our lives and for our relationship with him that he he wants to be um, our Father and that who is that Father he is gentle he is loving he is kind. He is merciful. Um, yes, he disciplines, but he does it in a way in which we can cope with um, and which is only ever for uh, our betterment. So uh, I've picked a couple of songs um, that are just declaring how um, God is our father and how we belong to him as his children. Um, and uh, feel free to worship um, as, you, as you like in, in, the, in the space in between the songs bringing prayers and uh, Bible verses. And let's sing. Let's sing um, Good, Good Father. Good, 
Father, you have so many qualities um, that are just unexplainable. Some, some you can't even put into words. The qualities of a, of a perfect father. Let's, um, let's say thank you to God this morning. Let's pray out our thanks to God for the qualities that, that he has, that we, that are uh, personal sort of to us. So, Father, I thank you that you are just so kind. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. This is our response to your loving us first, to your creating us, to your finding, um, uh, uh, finding the way to set us free. Um, and uh, and for us being able to be a child of yours, the, the 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 Almighty God who created the universe, my Dad. Thank you, Father. And my this is my response to you. I love you. I lay my life before you. Amen. Thank you to the White Family Band. Thank you. It's interesting in that first, um, the first song about the um, the Lord speaking to us in the middle of the night, and I know that as someone who often finds themselves awake at like three or four o'clock in the morning, and with uh, absolutely no other options, and a and a a wife who doesn't snore, uh, laying there talking to the Lord and and being able to listen to what the Lord's telling me, because I hope I'll be able to repay you of that one day by not snoring, so that you can. You can hear the Lord too, rather than having to do it in the day. <laughs> Justin, over to you for family time. Well, morning, everybody. Uh, I'm going to start family time for plug. Bang, there we go. School's out. Uh, school's out activities, school's finished. Our uh, craft morning start. Uh, we are operational this coming Tuesday. Thank you to all those who have volunteered to help, as I'm not here. Um, be here from 9 There'll be uh, little notes left for you. Everything will be set up. Uh, but there are still three other dates across August. Uh, still need help. Turn up, have some fun, make some stuff. Uh, each week you'll see the event go on church Facebook. Share the Living Daylights out of it, please, because that's the only way we get people in. Uh, it's our summer outreach. And we can make things. My tenuous link to my plug to family time. We make things, simple little bits of craft. Who's going to tell me what they think that looks like? Thomas. Caterpillar, possibly. This is our, our animal in the Bible. Could it be a caterpillar? Anyone else? Jesse? A worm. No, I can see it could be a worm. May? Snake. Here's a snake, everybody. A nice little slithery, wiggly snake. Snakes, not a favourite animal of mine. <laughs> not sure. Anyone else fancy a snake? Anybody wanted a snake? Kept a snake? May's nodding her head saying, yeah. Right. Here's some facts about snakes. There are approximately 3,680 different kinds of snake. 3,680, approximately. 
on every part of the world you will find a snake apart from one, and that's Antarctica. They are cold-blooded. Yeah, no snakes in Ireland. But Ireland's still part of Europe, so the whole of Europe will find snakes. Antarctica's a different landmass. So, they are cold-blooded. They need to lay in the sun to warm up and get moving. How many of you think you're cold-blooded and need the sun to get moving? Well, you're wrong, because you're not. That's not how God's created you. They can hear, but they've got no external ears. They hear through their bones. As a species, they exclusively only eat meat. They cannot survive if they're not eating meat. The fastest snake can move at 12 miles an hour. Now that is pretty quick, because those of us who've got electric bikes, which are legal ones, they can only move about 15 miles an hour with um, assistance. So with a bit of uh, downhill motion, a snake will probably overtake us. That particular snake is called the black mamba. When we were in Malawi with the teenagers, two certain teenage boys from this church on the prayer walk went hunting black mambas, and they found one. Fortunately, it was dead. And fortunately, the person they were with decided not to let them bring it home. Snakes hiss. And they hiss as a defense mechanism. Is there, go away, leave me alone. The smallest snake is roughly 10 centimeters long. Roughly 10 centimeters long. Are you ready for this? The largest snake on average is 33 feet. Right. Mr. White, can I give you this? And Mr. Rob, or Mr. Robert, can you grab the other end? Right. Yeah, you've got up. Uh, roll out the handle. I would have thought the cherry would know how to use a. Right. Uh, Rob, I'd like you to keep walking. Come to the front until Sean says you're at 33 feet. Which is approximately seven point something meters. This is the average largest snake in the world. There. So for, the, for, for people who are listening to this, this is almost, I would say, <laughs> not quite the length of the hall. The length of the hall plus probably the both wobs laying down. That's the average size of the largest snake in the world. And the scary thing is, that's a constrictor. So it will open its mouth and probably swallow us all whole. Okay. We can wind that back up. Snakes. And they hunt by smell as well. There's your relevant facts. Now, if I said to all you Bible scholars, give me some references about snakes in the Bible, um, I am pretty sure that we'll get a huge amount of references, starting from Genesis, going all the way to Revelation. There are over 80 distinct references. 
mostly associated with snakes and the human conditions of being sly, crafty, poisonous, evil. All that. Everything that God isn't seems to be pinned on the snake. And if you look at the story in Genesis and the metaphor of the snake being Satan, it's probably not too wide a leap to understand why most of us are a bit scared and trepidatious about a snake, whether it's this big or that small. It's just the movement, isn't it? Yeah. Wiggly in the blah. But the Bible does reference them as being not them evil, but the characteristics of things that are evil. Then we come to a story in the book of Numbers, Numbers 21, which my group we're going to look at later. And I don't, I'm not making any apologies for this. My group are cooking bread this morning. So during Freddie's talk, you're going to start to be hungry because they're making bread. Um, but in Numbers, we have Moses. And the Israelites, they are trudging through um, the desert. They are starting to come in towards their promised land. And they are moaning. You would have thought this group of people would have learnt by now. The more you moan, the worse things get. Until God does something drastic, reveals his power, they fall down on their faces, apologise, and they're back in love with God again. Well, we're back in that cycle. And they're moaning. And they get attacked by poisonous vipers. And people die. I don't have huge theological insight as to why they were attacked by poisonous vipers, why God allowed that to happen at that point. But what I do know is that there's a beautiful metaphor in this story. Because God gave Moses a way out for the people to ask forgiveness and to repent. And he crafted a bronze snake. Now I've crafted a wiggly rag paper snake. But he put it on a stick and held it up. And the Bible tells us this, that God said, all those who look at the bronze snake will be saved. And they were. Which is partly why, if you go to certain parts of this world and you go to doctors or chemist shops, you'll see a symbol of a snake on a stick for healing. What's the metaphor? And why is the snake significant to the good news of the gospel. The metaphor in that story is this. That snake was lifted high on a stick. Jesus was lifted high on a cross to save us. All those who gaze at the cross and accept the forgiveness are healed and live. A reference in the Bible where the snake is not inherently evil, but is pointing to our saviour Jesus. That's our family time this morning. Terrific. Thank you, Justin. The other thing I don't like about snakes, Justin, is their big teeth <laughs> and their venom. And I noticed they, they found a new snake in Australia last week as well. A new, so what was that? How many species were there? 3,600. 3,681. Wow. Exciting. Yeah. Exciting. Um, okay. We've uh, come to the time for our collection. Um, so let me grab this. Are there any boroughs who would like to hold this? Oh, brilliant. Thank you, guys. Rich and Alex. <laughs> Holding up there. There you go, Amelia. Would you like the, you'd like the, the um, tin? And 
Thomas, would you like the giraffe? There we go. And we have our the young people uh, in Uganda that we have been supporting for a number of years now, Francis Deo and Angela. And what a blessing it is to be able to to um, use that use the funds that God's provided us to touch their lives. Oh, Jesse, would you? Want there we go. There's a couple more there. There we go. Um, I'll also send round via Alex and Rich the collection basket. If you're a visitor today, please don't feel um, obliged to give. Uh, if you're a regular and you'd love to give, then we would love to receive. How are we doing? Looking good. I think that's all the children already. Right. Justin, should we send them out for... Yep, yep. okay. Uh, I'll pray for the children and then they'll go out and then we'll have a short break. Heavenly Father, thank you for our children um, thank you, Lord, for the joy, for the pleasure that they bring to us. But Lord, help us to be more childlike. As we sang earlier, we're all children of God. And as Martin um, shared with us last week, you're the, the father that we can look to. So, Lord, help us to um, engage with our children in that way. Lord, would they have a really good time with Justin this afternoon. Uh, keep them safe as they bake the bread and uh, prepare our stomachs to receive it later. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, let's have a... Um, Five-minute break, and then we'll come to our talk. Okay, shall we get started with our second, our second half, the second act? Um, just a few notices, first of all. I'll start with the bad news, and the bad news is that there's no Sue Ralph here today, which means no church lunch. I'm sorry about that. That will be uh, the case next week as well. So this week and next week, uh, no church lunch. Prayers that the um, kids are going to cook enough bread maybe to share uh, with all of us. Um, a quick plea from Kaz and I. Uh, next week is the fifth Sunday of July, which means um, which means that the leaders get these. Kaz doesn't know this yet, actually, that the leaders get the setup uh, duty for next week. So if there are any willing volunteers who would be able to help, particularly on the Sunday morning. I think Kaz and I can probably come in here on Saturday night and uh, do... Oh, Rich, thanks very much. Uh, we can set up a lot of the chairs and uh, the... Uh, what's it called? Like the tech, some of the tech, Saturday night. But certainly Sunday morning, help with the getting the coffees ready would be much appreciated. Um, just a reminder that next Sunday is our last kind of regular Sunday, as regular as Living Stones gets. Um, and then throughout August, Life Groups will be leading our Sunday, so do keep an eye on the newsletter um, because Life Groups might want to meet here. They might want to meet over in, um, it's not Manor Gardens, is it? Mockham Gardens or anywhere else around Eastbourne. So do keep an eye on the newsletter just in case there are any um, changes to where we'll be meeting that week. Um, a plug for church camp on the August Bank Holiday Weekend. Uh, yes, Shannon, you're coming? Yep, excellent. Oh, I know you are. Oh yeah, that's you are getting baptised. That's all the more reason to be there. Excellent. Um, yeah. So a reminder to uh, please let us or so Kaz or I or Jess Prescott know if you're intending to come, and we obviously need to make sure that we have a good sense of numbers so that we make sure we cater. That nobody goes uh, hungry. Um, and that was it. And now, can you flash that to me again, Kaz? Because I can't remember what it's called. Redefined. Thank you. Kaz, why don't you come and explain to us about Redefined? That might be a good idea. Thank you for that. 
Um, you might remember years and years ago in Livingstone's history, we ran a course for teenage girls called Wise Up. Uh, it was run by Rachel Erica, at, or Rachel Gardner, but she was Rachel Erica at the time, and I was her uh, helper. We have had some money ring-fenced for this project to run again for quite a long time, but we haven't found anybody until now. So we now are running a course. It's been renamed Redefined, um, quite pertinent in this sort of day and age where particularly younger people look for all sorts of things to define themselves as, you know, culturally, all of this kind of stuff. So this is a redefined course. We're running it starting in September. It's for girls um, year seven plus. Ideally, I would say prob probably year seven to nine, maybe seven to ten. If you, um, and it's going to be run by uh, someone who's visited our church a few times, Chrissy Slezacek, who is a youth worker and also the school's worker in Eastbourne for Spinnaker. Um, it's amazing that she wants to do this and is she's so excited. Her sort of enthusiasm is absolutely infectious, so I, I think this is going to be a great course. We currently have one girl signed up from Livewires. Um, she doesn't, as far as I know, she doesn't, come to, doesn't go to church, but her mum is really keen for her to to sort of, this course will build confidence, it will be a safe space for girls to discuss all the stuff that goes on at school, all the stuff that goes online, all of that, um, through the lens of a Christian teaching, but not so much that they don't feel they can't talk about what they really believe in and how, how they feel about stuff. It's a really positive course. So two things, if you know a teenage girl, uh, a year seven plus girl, you think this would be suitable for, please do grab a leaflet. And please be praying that we have a few more sign-ups. I don't want loads, but I think four or five would be an ideal starting position, particularly for this first time we've run it for a long time. So four or five girls would be absolutely brilliant. Um, so And please, yeah, please do be praying for that. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I can see real potential in this course going into schools and all sorts. So do see me if you um, want to grab a leaflet. Thank you. Great, thank you, Kaz. My word, how that's needed. Um, okay, we've come to the time for our talks. I'd like to invite Freddie to come and uh, talk to us. Hebrews 12, the second half, part two. Freddie, can I pray for you before we start? Thank you very much. And get this. Even brought Justin back. Heavenly Father, thank you for Freddie. Thank you, Lord, for the insight, the diligence, and the authenticity that he brings uh, when he ministers to us, Lord. And Heavenly Father, I pray today that the words that he shares with us will be spirit-filled, that they'll fall on our ears, fall on our hearts, they'll challenge us, they'll inspire us, and they'll bring us new ways of, um, new ways of looking at, at words that we may have read many times, but Lord, we want to know more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. And uh, I always, when, when I go to speak at different places, I always like to get feedback, but not like that. Boo boo, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, some of you know us, some of you may not, but it's good to be back. And thank you, Jeanette, for the uh, invite and uh, to get the what I'm preaching on in good time. <coughs> yeah. What? <laughs> what did I say? What did I say? Um. You've been going through the book of Hebrews, the letter of Hebrews, so I just want to recap on everything that everybody else has said and then maybe put five minutes in at this. No, no. You know, the beauty of being itinerant, going from different churches, uh, is that 
you see fresh faces, you, uh, you catch up with people. And there is this opportunity, I think Paul coined this phrase in Romans 1, and he said, he, wanted, he was longing to get to the church at Rome, and he said, that I might impart some spiritual gift. And I think that is my heart, that's certainly our heart, that we might impart something. But he doesn't say, oh, I've, I want to come so that I can be the super saint, you know. He said that we might mutually encourage one another. So that's what we're going to do. We've already been encouraged through the worship, through snakes, and all sorts of things, slithery, slithery things. Um, so we're going to mutually encourage one another. So this is how what you can do. You can not fall asleep. That's really useful. Uh, it really does help. Um, am I doing the reading? Yeah, I can't, I'm happy to do it. It's um, So we're, we'll start with our reading, shall we? It's in Hebrews 12, and the latter part, as we have heard. I don't know whether it comes up on your screen or whether you've got Bibles, you know, tablets. And you know that Moses was the first to have a tablet. Well, he actually had two. One was Android and one was Apple. So Hebrews chapter 12 and from verse 18. Father, this is your word, and it's God-breathed. We bring our mind to your word and then your word to our mind. And or everything else is just comment. Help us to receive your word now. Give us fresh eyes. Give us tender hearts. Give us strong wills to put into practice the things that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm reading from the NI version, NIV version. As um, Okay. You have not come to the mountain, this is verse 18, that can be touched, that is, burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a, a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. And even if an animal touched the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than that of Abel than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him, who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? 
And at that time, his voice shook the earth. And now he has promised, once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words, once more, indicate a removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what can not be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Wow, that's... Um, I was given that passage, and unfortunately, in all the files I've got of sermons, there was not one in there on it. Bit naff, on it, you know? <laughs> and our lovely Jeanette here, when we were chatting on the phone, she said, well, you have to do a bit of work then, won't you? She's like that. It's just so kind. It's the title of this, as you know, if you're alone, or if you're regular here, is the superiority of the new covenant. And I looked at that title, I thought, oh, it's a bit dodgy, that, isn't it? You know, superior. It's a bit like the kids' playground, isn't it? You know, my dad's better than your dad. Can you remember doing that sort of thing? You know, my dad could do this, and my dad, we did. It was all lies, because my dad couldn't do any of it. But anyway, but we... It's almost like this superiority. The chapter, like the whole letter, is about comparison. Or no comparison. We can almost hear the advert, can't you? Go compare. Are you, are you needing ministry over there? Yeah, you just... <laughs> I think that's what the writer is saying. Because the, remi remember the background. Jewish Christians, Jewish believers, were Christians in general were under persecution. And they realized that the persecution wasn't going on so much among the Jews for, for just for a change. <laughs> And they were tempted to leave the fold. They were tempted to go. And so the whole letter is written to say, and that's why you get into the Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10. I have done some stuff on this. I remember a friend of mine saying to me, this is many years ago, oh, I'd like to be a fly on the wall when you do Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10. If you want to know what I'm referring to about turning away and there's no way back and all these sort of, big issues of can you lose your salvation? Well, of course, when we got there, what I talked about was, I, I don't know about losing it, I'm just going to make sure I keep it. Uh, we're not far from Beachy Head. Uh, if those of you drive, I wonder how near you would reverse your car to the edge. Well, we wouldn't. We'd put it in first gear and just go away from the edge. And this is what the writer is saying. Keep going, keep focused on the goal. He's saying at the beginning that it, God has spoken in these last days. In other words, there isn't another voice. There isn't the prophet somebody. There isn't another dimension to this. In these last days, God has spoken. When you talk about last days, people get really excitable, don't they? 
and they think this has happened, then we had COVID, then we had this, and we try, they try and get their charts out, and they do all the stuff. But l- listen, you know this. We've been in the last days for 2,000 years. And God has spoken to us through his son. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He spoke to us through his son, and then he gives uh, all these rhetorical narratives of the Old Testament. It's a great way of learning your Bible going through the book of Hebrews. So is, if you want the short route, Jude. Because it's just got one chapter, but it gives you a great history of what is going on there. And so he's saying, there's no other way. There's only Jesus, and you follow it all the way through in Hebrews the be- 12 at the beginning. Fix your eyes on him. Stay focused on him. And so Peter, in John 6, realizes there's nowhere else to go because Jesus is talking some very challenging. He, John 6 is a very challenging chapter. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, some denominations want to say that becomes literal and the transubstantiation of the mass I don't know what it means either. You know, just thought I'd drop it in there, you know. But Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And people were beginning to walk away. And Jesus turns to the disciples. He says, are you going to leave as well? He is. He, he was concerned then, and he's concerned now. He does not want us to leave the fold. He does not want us to come away from him. So, and Peter says, where else do we go? You have the words of eternal life. If you like, the Hebrew writer is saying, where else can you go? There is no comparison. This is the only way to life, and that is following Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Such on PC words, aren't they? There's no other way. There isn't a part of the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, don't look so, so excited about it. I mean, Peter also said in Acts 4.12, he said, Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among mankind by which we must be saved. Simple. That's Acts 4.12 if you want that. So in our reading, in Hebrews 12, 18 to 29, the writer shows the Jewish believers what they, what, what they would be going back to. If you do go back, if you do want to make a comparison, this is what you'll get. And it starts, you have not come to the mountain. So I'm going to just go back over the verses over these moments. You've not come to a mountain that can, be, that can be touched, that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it beg no further word be spoken to them. You might be thinking that now. Please don't speak any more words, but I'm going to carry on anyway. Because they could not bear what was commanded, and even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. 
the sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. This is what they were going back to. So there's, you see the word contrast it all the way through these words. So say contrast. So you hear yourself say a contrast. You have not come to this mountain that can be touched. That is burning with fire. When Israel came to Mount Sinai, illustrated in Exodus 19, we haven't got time to go into that. Write it down. Do your own study. By the way, taking notes is really good, especially if you get bored in the sermon because you can write all sorts of things. You do your journal. You, do, you catch up with your diary. And people think you're very spiritual. But write it down and do your own study. This is in Exodus 19 and 10 to 25 and in Exodus 20. All this that, that the writer is talking about is going on there. And it is this... Well, the mountain was, uh, Mount Sinai was, is illustrated here. And the mountain was restricted. It was ferocious because of God's holy presence. I want to emphasize that. If I don't get through all of this, it's okay, isn't it? I want to emphasize God's ferocious, holy presence. Not casual, me and God, we're like that. You get this? As the late David Pawson said, with some, it is God Almighty rather than God Almighty. He is Almighty. He is ferocious. He is awesome. And they couldn't approach. There was thunder, lightning, thick cloud. There was a sound of the trumpet, the, the calling forth of the nation to meet with God. There was, there was smoke, furnace, earthquakes, and trumpet sounded long until Moses spoke, and God himself answered. God spoke to Israel from Sinai, but he warned them in every way possible to stay away. It's not come near, it's stay clear. And the reaction, they were terrified, seen in Exodus 20, 18 to 21. They wanted the experience to stop. And Moses afraid, saying, I'm trembling with fear. However, this, all this fear failed. Because 40 days later, what do they do? They make a golden calf. It didn't work. The contrast. Say contrast. You have come, verse 22, to the Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than that of Abel. Contrast. Christians are in a different place. Our relationship with God is not modeled on Israel's experience of Sinai. 
We come to Zion, the name of the hill on which Jerusalem sits. Those who have been to Israel, been, anybody been to Israel in this place? You go to Jerusalem and you go to Zion. You see the burial place of King David in Zion. So this is very historic. But it was in Zion that Jesus was crucified. And the writer is pointing them back to this magnificent and awful event. As the young people are thinking about the snake on the pole and then in connecting it with John 3, look and live, the old song used to go, look and live. It's only as we look unto Jesus that we're able to look and live. See, there was a, the, the contrast is the city of the living God. There was no city in Mount Sinai. It was out in a deserted place, in the desert, desert. The heavenly Jerusalem, Sinai was associated with Egypt. Zion is associated with heaven. See the contrast? Thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly Thank God they hadn't gone to some of our churches. It was a joyful assembly. I mean, it's a lot of our churches. They are joyful. They just haven't told their faces yet. The New King James says innumerable angels. That means you can't count. One, two, oh, I lost count again. So many angels. To the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, who were registered in heaven. Contrast what God provided on Mount Sinai was mainly for Israel. I say mainly because the Ten Commandments are for us as well. We're supposed to keep the commandments. I wonder how many you know. Don't speak them out. We'll talk about it afterwards. How many do you know? How many of you have kept them all? Move. There's a question. There's a life group question for us. And so the commandments are there for us, but the regulations are not there for us. They were for primarily for Israel. Yes? Well, what God gave at Mount Zion is for all. What a contrast. For what God gave at Sinai was for one people group the Jewish people. What God gave at Zion is for every tribe and nation. That's why the book of Revelation talks about. And I saw every tribe and nation, those who loved the Lord, those who loved the Lamb and were washed in His blood. Hallelujah. That's us. Am I the only one getting excited about this in this room? Well, Jeanette is, I can tell. You've come to God, says verse 23b. You've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Note, Mount Zion doesn't do away with God as judge of all. I want to say that again. Mount, Mount Zion does not do away with God as judge of all. Okay? Rather, the work of Jesus what the work Jesus did on Mount Zion satisfies the justice of God. Therein is the gospel. 
We have no gospel and unless we see the ferociousness of God, unless we see the sinfulness of the human being. Not that God made me this way and God has to accept me this way. It is that I am fallen. God is awesome. I need to change. I can't change. Oh God, change me. Therein is the gospel. We need to be changed. We come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant contrite. Mount Zion was all about the old covenant based on works. Mount Zion is based upon the new covenant with Jesus, the mediator, based on us believing and receiving. Did you get that? That's the contrast. The blood sprinkled that speaks of better things than that of Abel. Question. And I've gone over this, looked at commentaries, I've listened to other people preach on it. Does the, this section about the blood of Abel, does it mean that his blood when he was shed murdered? Or was it the blood of the sacrifice? What was speaking here? Something to be talking about. Which was the first recorded sacrifice. It's actually not. The first recorded sacrifice is when the first couple, Adam and Eve, and they were naked, and God covered them with skins. The first recorded sacrifice is that Jesus uh, spills blood as a type and a shadow of that which is to come. But here we see uh, there was uh, some sacrifice made and God loved that and his brother didn't so he killed him. And his blood cries out. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of animals and sacrifice of Abel. However, it's true that the blood of Jesus and Messiah speaks a better things than the blood of Abel. Here's the contrast. The blood of Abel cried, justice must be satisfied, vengeance. That's the, the cry. God heard that come up. He still hears it. He still hears it with all the stuff that's going on in our world and all the massive world migration for whatever reasons it's happening. God hears the injustice. It comes up to him. He hears you. He hears your cry. The, but the blood of Jesus cries out, justice has been satisfied bring mercy. That's a better word, isn't it? We like that one better. But you've come to Mount Zion. Warning. We shouldn't come to Mount Zion as if we're coming to Mount Sinai. What do I mean by that? Well, they were in fear and trembling. So sometimes we come into our prayer meetings as if, I better not speak in case, I, you know, I better not be uh, open my mouth and prove that I'm a fool or say the wrong thing or get my theology all messed up. No, we come 
We don't come fearfully anymore. We come boldly, as the Hebrew writer says in chapter 4, boldly, with confidence to the throne of grace. But in some of the prayer meetings that I've been in over the years, it's as if we're coming to Sinai and not Zion. It's as if we're like, oh, well, you know, God wants us, come on, kick the door down. He, he wants you in there. You're his son, you're his child. I'm a child of God. That's what we sung. Do we believe that? I'm his son. You're his daughter, son. Hallelujah. And we can come boldly. I don't mean with no reverence. What I am saying, we can come boldly into the throne of grace. There's a lady on our estate, and she doesn't go anywhere, but we talk about things of God and from time to time. And she says this, when she does pray, and she said, God, it's me again. And we could come like that. It's me again. And God goes, yeah, I know it's you again. So we come. So we don't hesitate. We're encouraged. We get bold into God's presence. Remember the contrast, Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. Mount Sinai, I'm going to run through these. Mount Sinai was marked by fear and trouble. Uh, and terror. Mount Zion is a place of love and forgiveness. Mount Sinai is the in the desert. Mount Zion is the city of the living God. Mount Sinai spoke of earthly things. Mount Zion speaks of heavenly things. Mount Sinai, only God was allowed, only Moses was allowed to draw near to God. At Mount Zion, an innumerable company of and the general assembly is invited to draw near. All may come. Hallelujah. Mount Sinai was characterized by guilty men in fear. Mount Zion is featured. Just men made perfect. How wonderful. And women, by the way, just, just to be PC around here. Nah. Mount Sinai, Moses was the mediator at Mount Zion. Jesus is the mediator. Mount Sinai, Sinai brought the old covenant which ratified by the blood of animals. Mount Zion brought the new covenant which is ratified by the blood of God's Son. Mount Sinai was all about exclusion, keeping people away. Mount Zion is all about invitation. Come. You'll find in these readings that come, these word come, come, come. As evangelical Christians, we are very good at saying go. We're good go people, aren't we? Go, we quote the Matthew 28 and Mark 16 and all the commissioning. <coughs> which were not the great suggestion, they were the other great commission. And uh, some people think they're the great suggestion, it's a nice idea. No, it is. We are to go into all the world. But be, listen, listen, before you go, you've got to come. And I think that's the problem sometimes. People haven't come. And you say, what are you saying? What are you saying? I, I've been a Christian since, oh, you know, the old king died, you know. Well... I'm talking about coming to him daily. 
I'm talking about feeding on him. I'm talking about drinking into his presence. I'm talking about enjoying God. I'm talking about intimacy. Because as the amount you come to God is the amount you'll carry when you go with God. Amen? So learn to come. Find what suits you in your devotional readings and prayers. Some like to make a noise. Some like to be quiet. Some like some and some. And some, some of us are somewhere in between. But make sure you come. Have you come to him today? Have you spent time with him today? Verse 25, 26, and we're nearly there. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused to warn them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Watch out. Great privilege has a great warning and danger. The writer says, make sure you do not refuse him who speaks. So they did not escape who refused him who spoke on the earth. Much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him. He speaks from heaven whose voice then shook the earth. And now he has promised, saying, yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. See that you do not refuse him. Come as in the previous verses, God holds the goodness and the glory of Mount Zion before us. The perfect finished work of Jesus. The new covenant through him. If we re choose to refuse this from God, we cannot ignore the consequences. They did not escape. There, was no, there were consequences rebelling at Mount Zion. There and there are consequences for resisting God's greater work of Zion. In whose voice the earth shook. Once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that we cannot be shaken, may remain. Mount Sinai, God shook the earth with his voice. The new covenant goes further, yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And I quote David Gizek here from Enduring Word. Some of you might be f familiar with that man. He's an animal commentator on the Bible. He says, it's easy and dangerous to think that God was severe and mean in the Old Testament and somehow become nice in the New Testament. Old Testament God. <laughs> New Testament God. Hello. We've got this mentality, haven't we? Oh, that's in the old. Well, some of us have. He said, this is so simplistic and it is deceiving. He says, there's more mercy in the Old Testament than many imagine. And there's more judgment in the New Testament than many imagine. Acts 5, try it out. Cheating on the offering. Zappo. Check it out. God's 
same God. He's still ferocious. He's still holy. He is not God Almighty. He is God Almighty. But we can, we can now come and have that intimacy through Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken. Things that are made, things which cannot be shaken may remain. Indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken. God promises to shake things again and take away. I think there's a shaking going on in our culture. There's a shaking going on in our churches where some are just being culturally bound and some of us are being biblically bound. There is a shaking going on. Verses 28 and 29, and we come to land. The unshakable kingdom. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. I said, let us be thankful. I said, let us be thankful. <laughs> Let us be thankful that so we worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, fear, for God is consuming fire. It's as if the writer ends this chapter the way he started. This is God's ferociousness, and he's still the same. But we can only come through Jesus. Hallelujah. And we can come unscorched. We can come and live. But actually, when we do come to him, just as they died, as they touched the mountain in his presence, so we die. We die daily. We're crucified with Christ in order to live the life. Hallelujah. We have received it in pro We've received his kingdom in promise, in power, and we've received it when we gather together the kingdom of God. So let us have grace. The kingdom of God is never shaken. So we must seize God's unmerited approval in Jesus, helping us to serve God acceptably. Here's what Charles Spurgeon says, and we'll close here. Glory be to God. Our kingdom cannot be moved. Not even dynamite can touch our dominion. No power in the world, no power in hell, no can shake the kingdom which the Lord has given to his saints. With Jesus as our monarch, we fear no revolution, no anarchy, for the Lord hath established his kingdom upon a rock, and it cannot be moved. It cannot be moved. You see, the truth is God is a consuming fire. And the believer, we realize that Father's poured out is consuming fire and judgment on Jesus, his son, in our place. When he did, it completely consumed the guilt of sin in all who believe. The penalty of sin was consumed in Jesus on a cross. So in conclusion, 
and they all go, hallelujah. I like that word conclusion. In conclusion, these verses, the superiority of the new covenant is evident. I think you got that, didn't you? It's evident. Or we could say, experiencing Jesus is better than the experience of Mount Zion. Let me uh, say that a bit clearer. Experiencing Jesus is better than religion. Experiencing Jesus is about relationship. People say to me, oh, I, you know, they realize I was ordained minister, you know. Oh, I oh, I'm not religious. I say, nor am I. That throws them. Because it's about relationship. It's about relationship. So it, it's better than the it, the experience of Mount Sinai, better Sinai, better than the experience of religion, of, of dead works. I wonder, what is your experience? Father, we just thank you today for these, this great rhetorical backwards and forwards comparing the substance against the shadow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Just like that serpent that was made of bronze put on that pole to represent all the rebellion that was going on. That they, as they looked to you, they were not only saved, they were healed, restored. And so us today, help us to look to you afresh. Help us to uh, focus on you. Help us to turn away from Mount Sinai and turn to Zion. Help us to come. Help us to be washed again in the precious blood of the Lamb. And help us to be those people that continually come into your presence with boldness so that we may go out in the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Fred, I did get too comfortable there. I can, I can get back up. There's a terrific unpacking when I was reading that last night. I thought, I wonder where he's going to go with this. <laughs> took it. The thing that I particularly took was the, the God Almighty, God Almighty uh, point. And it reminded me when I, when I first became a Christian and um, Martin was taking us on these uh, was like an introduction to Living Stones course. And we talked about Jesus being our friend. And I thought, oh, that's really nice. I really like that. And he said, yeah, but you've got to remember, you're a friend over here, and it's not an equal friendship. You don't go to the pub. You don't, you don't do some things for Jesus. Jesus does some things for you. You're over here, and Jesus is all the way over here in terms of like the, the scale of the, of the friendship and what he's done, uh, what he's done for us. Um, I think I'll press out. Father, thank you for our time together today. Thank you that we can go out in boldness. We don't need to have a spirit of trepidation or fear or nervousness because we know the living God. We are covered with the blood of Jesus. There's nothing else that can better that, but there's nothing that can take that away. And Lord, as we um, go out this week, help us to take that relational heart 
with us. Lord, deepen our relationships with each other. Deepen our relationships with the people who are out there in the world who, who don't know you. And Father, we pray they will know you. But Lord, most of all, help us to foster that relationship with you, whether it's taking ourselves off to quiet places to be with you, whether it's um, all the different variations that Freddie talked about of how we can um, engage, whether it's quietly, loudly, somewhere in between. Lord, whether it's in the middle of the night as we're laying there in bed contemplating our life with you. Holy Father, I pray you'll be with us as we go this week. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Thank you.